look at that. It got all the way to Nick. <laughs> I'm proud of you, ladies. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> well, there are there are days when I, <clears throat> I don't, I'm told Wes. I said I'm discombobulated today, and I have no re- I have no reason why. I don't know. Maybe it's because I put sugar in my coffee today, and I usually don't. <laughs> I don't know. But my mind's been racing all morning with, uh, y- you know, a couple of thoughts that I have. Uh, first of all, Clint, I, I would hope that you open up that guitar case and you sing to your kids. Uh, it'll be a memory that they'll have their whole lives. And uh, my mom used to do that for me all the time, and uh, one of the greatest memories I have of growing up is listening to that. And so, God bless you for using that talent for God. And and uh, uh, secondly, I was reminded as as we uh, have the Browns here, <clears throat> I think of the burden that God gave them to uh, go to a faraway country and. I was not aware it's the the 10th poorest country in the world, and so I had no idea how destitute that country is, and so I'm, I'm sure that passing out the, the rice and the beans were, was a huge blessing to those people, and, and uh, I'm glad that you guys were there to do that, and the, the part about it that is amazing to me, and, and it shouldn't be, but it is, is just how powerful God's word is. Wherever you go, you you preach the word of God, and and the the three main things, you know, you you love God, you love His word, and you love people. And if you follow God wherever it is you're supposed to go, and you take the word of God and you proclaim the word of God, and and you love people as you share the word of God with them, God miraculously saves people and crosses all barriers, crosses all borders, and uh, rich or poor, and, and uh, everything in between, and he saves them and brings them into his family, and, and what a joy that is. And, and I so appreciate our missionaries that, that are willing to, um, well, we would think give up everything and go there but uh, that really is their everything, is doing what God would have them to do, and we so appreciate them. I know that, I believe your, your family is in New Jersey, and, and Mrs. Brown's family is in California. So, I mean, you already have both sides of the country there, and now they're in Madagascar. And I think you have several siblings, too, between you guys and... and uh, all over the all over the country, and and we just appreciate them doing that, and it just amazes me the power of God's word and how how important it is to uh, preach the word of God. And I, I I know we are into December now, and and a lot of my preacher friends are already into their Christmas series, but um, we're in Second Peter chapter three, and I really want to get done with Second Peter this year and uh, start something new at the beginning of the year. And so you bear with me. I should be able to do uh, chapter 3 in, in just a couple of messages. And uh, if at most three, which we have uh, this Sunday, I could do next Sunday. And then I can also do the very last Sunday of the year 
on the 31st, but I'd rather be done before that. So bear with me. We'll, we will get to our Christmas messages. It doesn't rob us of the Christmas spirit at all, but uh, I just want to get through Second Peter. And really, it goes right along with what, I, what we think about today. We think about the power of God's Word, changing people's lives wherever we go, and, and I think about the, the special that Clint uh, uh, sang today and, and the peace that, that God's Word can give us. Because it's not just His Word, but it's the tool that the Holy Spirit of God uses in the life of, of every believer that's here to uh, give us a soundness, to, to help us to be healthy in our thinking and and to keep us from um, just going the way of the world and thinking that there is no hope and there there's all there is an abundance of hope and we we live in a sad and and sinful world and because of that we deal with all kinds of of issues and and uh, you, you know I just heard Mrs. Hoffman that she said that uh, her sister passed away this past week and you know, and, and, and we pray for you. And uh, I know that those things are, it's a hard world. But I'm so thankful for the promises that God gives us in his word. And the thing that you will find in his word that uh, <clears throat> it, it really does a couple of things. It confronts you. The word, the word of God is going to confront you with who you are and, and your state that you are with him. And um, the Holy Spirit will use that, and, and you can hide that from everybody else around you, but you can't hide that from God, and, and you really, you, you don't hide it from yourself. You know that, and, and the Holy Spirit convicts you. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, then I pray that today you'll understand the love that God has shown to every one of us by uh, him willingly going to that cross and dying for the sins of all mankind and, and showing us that he was God by raising again that third day and showing us that that sacrifice was sufficient uh, for forgiveness of every one of us. But you by faith have to reach out and take that gift and you by faith need to realize that you are a sinner just like the rest of us and you need a savior and, and so you turn to Christ and find that forgiveness to be in him and, and in him only. And you call on him and trust in him by faith and he will save you. And, and you know what he'll do is he, he unloads you of such a burden. And everything about God and, and everything about his word that, uh, first of all, it, it's going to confront you with who you are. And, but then if you are willing to bow humbly to the truth of the word and and allow God to bend you and conform you into his will, then you find out that he gives you that peace. And, it, and it's a peace that can't be bought by anything that this world offers. It's a peace that only God gives and, and you can live through the tumultuous times and, and find good in all of that. And, and I praise the Lord how that church was founded during um, a pandemic, you know, I, uh, uh, the only thing I realized through COVID was how angry I can get, you know, and I need to repent of some of those things and, and, uh, how good God is. And, and I, and I do believe that through, through all of that, that it brought a closeness to our church family that we've never had before. 
and I'm grateful for that. And, and I think of all of those good things that, that come from God's Word and, and the peace that He gives us and the unity that, that He gives us. And, and I, I think of, of how God can use our church family and, uh, to make a, a really a difference in this community that, um, they, that they are searching for and seeking out and, and to... Uh, God is using us to do that, and, and it's a wonderful thing, and the things of God are good, and, and we need to realize that, but we also need to have an understanding that as we are doing those things and, and seeking out those and telling them about Jesus and encouraging believers to make sure that you're right with God and serving Him and walking with Him and that things are going to be okay, that that we also guard against those that may not have that motive. And the devil would love to blow up everything that's going up, going on here. I mean, he would love to split the church. He would love to cause a lot of hatred and division and uh, would love to put a lot of schisms in, in here and, and uh, causing all kinds of fights and turmoil. And, and I praise God we do not have that. And I'm thankful that we don't have that. But it's only by the grace of God and, and the power of God and the Holy Spirit doing that and protecting us. But we do need to be aware that the devil would love to blow that up. And that's what we see in Second Peter. I mean, the whole book of Second Peter was written about those that, that had infiltrated into the church family and, and was teaching what was called the false prophecy or false doctrine, false teaching. And so in doing so, they were causing all kinds of problems. And, and we see that God is not pleased with people who do that. And, and he gave us a very vivid description of them in chapter 2. He also showed us how to spot them by uh, not listening so much to what they're teaching, but we, we spot them by understanding and knowing the truth and spend our time knowing what the truth is and knowing that God will do what God says he will do. And so we get to chapter 3, and so chapter 1, we had that format for power. Chapter 2, we had the prediction of false teachers. And chapter 3, we have the promises to the faithful. And first of all, and, and the promises that he gives us here, he wants, wants us to bring them to remembrance. And so there are going to be three things. We need to remember history in the first seven verses. Verses 8 through 10, we need to remember mercy. And in the rest of the chapter, verses uh, 11 through 18, we need to remember holiness. You know, it, it was said by uh, uh, Santiana, I think, was who first said it. And then uh, I, I believe it was Churchill who who uh, may have made it more famous, and he changed it up, the quote, a little bit. But uh, Santiana said, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. And Peter understood that. God understands that. That's why he inspired uh, the word and, and inspired and led Peter to write what he says here in chapter 3. But you see it over and over in Second Peter, Peter constantly saying, bring this to mind, remember these things that you have been taught and, and how we need to remember that. And, and the first thing, let's remember some biblical history that God has given us here in these first seven verses. And so Peter writes, this second epistle, beloved, 
So 2 Peter, right? He's already written 1 Peter. And 1 Peter was talking more about the outside forces that are trying to destroy the church and how you defend against that. And now we get into the, 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 those that have infiltrated into the church and trying to destroy it. That's what this second epistle is about. And, and beloved, so he's writing to those that uh, are part of the family of God, that have been adopted into the family of God, those that are saved, okay? Those that are true born-again believers. I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You know, I think there are times where we as believers need to wake up. We, we get pretty lax in things, and, 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 and I do believe that, uh, I, I have no doubt believing that the last three years, that is exactly what God is doing for believers, waking them up. Oh, how we need to understand and realize that we may be in the last times. We may be. And so we need to wake up. And many believers have gotten serious about that. Many have come to trust Christ because they realize now that many of the things that, that uh, their family members and their loved ones have been preaching and teaching to them, now all of a sudden these things are making a whole lot more sense. And and they've come to that revelation and realized that they need Christ as their Savior. And many have trusted Christ as their Savior. But may I say that there are still many more that many believers today that really truly need to wake up. They need to wake up in our country. They need to wake up in the world around us. They, but it needs to be a complete wake up. And, and, and whether it's the end of days or not, I, I cannot hold to... Uh, to that, that we have some fatalistic attitude about this. I believe that God in His will and, and, and in His love and in His mercy that if enough believers will get their hearts right and turn back to God and live the way that they ought to with a pure mind that God can bring a great revival in this country and do something magnificent that we have never seen before. And oh, how we need to understand. And so we need to wake up. And he says, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And in that pure mind uh, showing us that, that God gives us something that we never had before, before salvation is a purity. Even a purity of thought and understanding that uh, there, there is no need to be afraid not as a believer today, what do they do if, if things do get terrible and things really do become more violent? I say this all the time, but what, are we scared to be threatened by heaven? I mean, there, there is nothing uh, any far worse that, that we're going to deal with than right here in this life. It only gets better for those who are believers. And so let us remember that. And, and so now he goes on, and, and he wants to remind them more and and. And uh, here he says that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. This is the foundation that he was talking about or that, that we, we know in, in Paul writes about in Ephesians about talking about the foundation. We know that Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone and then the teachings of the Old Testament prophets and the teachings of the apostles, those those are the foundational basis that we have for all of Christianity. And, and, and one thing that they didn't have at this time that we have is we have the complete Word of God. We have everything here. And, and so we, have, we know everything that, that is to take place from, uh, that has taken place from the day of creation 
all the way until we enter into what is considered the eternal state. We have everything. It's right here. We don't need anything new. We don't need anybody adding to this. We have everything that we need right here in God's Word. And so let us be mindful of those words that have been given to us. This is the powerful Word of God. This isn't some man's idea. This isn't some man's opinion. This is God Himself who divinely gave us His Word so that we can have it through every generation and know everything that we need to know about how to live even in the most challenging of days. And so remember the power of God's Word. And that's what He's telling them. And, and so, yes, there are going to be those that try to infiltrate. Yes, the, the world is going to get rough. And, and yes, there are going to be challenges that take place in, a, in, in our lives. And, and yes, there are hard times in our lives. And, and we live in a crazy, wicked, and heavy world today. And yes, all of those things are, are true. But never forget the promises of God. And oh, let us rely upon them and help us in our faith. And, and sometimes it does get a little challenging and in trusting in something maybe that we do not see, but we, we can go back into history and we can go back and read in the Word of God those things that God has done and those things that He promises and we can be guaranteed that He will fulfill what He says He will do. And so He goes on, so let's remember history. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. You know, I... Um, I, I didn't read the article. I, I saw part of an interview by, uh, a, um, oh, he's just some talking head, James Carville. I don't know if anybody's heard of James Carville or not, but uh, James Carville this week, was uh, he made a statement. He said, well, there's, there's that group of people who believe that the world is only 6,000 years old. And then he jumped from that. And I wanted to correct him, say it's really... James, it's probably closer to 10,000 years. Get it right if you're going to try to insult the believers, you know. And, and so, but here we see that even in his mockery, many might not have even caught that, but we as believers do know that God created the heavens and the earth. We do know that it's not gazillions and zillions and billions and gazillions of years old. And, and, and I, I guess you're more intelligent by figuring out how many you know, how in the world do they ever figure out any of that? They found out that carbon testing is only uh, in, in actuality and, and is precise up to only close to 10,000 years. Carbon dating is, is, uh, uh, can be used up until that point. From then on, it's just a guesstimate. Imagine that. Even the science itself is proving creation. And so, but here we see that there are those who are scoffers today. I, I, I find it interesting, too, that, that uh, I just read it. I'm, you know, I'm on it today. The wind's made me grouchy, so if I just tick everybody off, so be it. You know? I'm getting ready to tick off all the, all the Catholics. That's why I'm getting hot. But um, the Pope just came out yesterday and, and uh, is blaming all the first world countries for global warming. And that if we don't cool down the if we don't cool down this kind the, the 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 world that we're all going to burn up, and and I'm the first question that I wanted to raise if if I would have been at the Vatican is excuse me have you read the Bible, have you read Second Peter chapter three, 
it might be a good place for you to start reading the Bible. And I'll read that. One of the most dangerous things to the Catholic Church is, this, is if every Catholic would get mad. All you billions that are watching our live stream today, why don't you guys open up your Bible and start with the book of Hebrews and read your Bible. And if you really read your Bible and you follow the truth of God's Word, you won't be a Catholic. Just read the Bible. You don't have to believe anything I say. Just read the Bible. And you'll find, and, and you'll find out that that guy is a sinner just like the rest of us and probably the biggest hypocrite in all the world because every day he wakes up, he has to look at his sinful self in that mirror, and every day he's got to get up and say, I'm God myself. No, you're not. You're a sinner, and you're going to go to hell unless you trust Christ as your Savior. Enough of that. Just ticked off a billion people. And what can I say about the Muslims? Let's tick off another billion, right? Your works aren't going to get you to heaven. And all is not real. There we go. All right, let's move on. My wife is upstairs, and she's not watching this time. So I am unleashed. <clears throat> but there are those who are scoffers walking after their own lust, their own passions, their, that whatever their longings are, that's what they want, and, and that's how they're walking. And, and then what do they say in saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, since uh, Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and all of those have fallen asleep, they have died, that all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Nothing has ever changed for this. And saying, uh, and, and, and then for this, they are willingly are ignorant. Oh, they, they want to make sure that they don't want to know anything about the Word of God. They are willingly ignorant of these things, that by the Word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. He brings them all the way back to creation. And, and during that creation time, do you know that, that it was a perfect atmosphere? It, it was a perfect greenhouse that had been created in Genesis 1. And we know that we had the firmament that that covered over the top, and, and it actually protected from the UV rays of the, of the sun, and it made a perfect atmosphere for growing. That's why you had dinosaurs that grew to be so large. That's why you had people that could live to be 900 years old, and Methuselah being the oldest of that. How old was he? Anybody remember? 969 years old. Why? In a, in a perfect type of an atmosphere. And even after the curse, it took many, many years for that, that atmosphere to be destroyed. That was there. You had the firmament. You also had the water that was in the ground. And, and, and then he goes on. And so here we have that they have forgotten the very power of God. And it was his spoken word that brought it all into existence. And then he goes and he says, whereby the world then that then was being overflowed with water perished. I cannot even imagine. We, we joke about the ark, you know, but here was Noah for 120 years and he was building a huge boat. I mean, imagine, the, it doesn't say it, but imagine the ridicule that he must have faced. Imagine living in a world. I'm not talking about a country. I'm talking about a world where there were only eight righteous people in the whole world. I, I, the, the wickedness that had been prevalent at that time is beyond my imagination. And they were destroyed. 
And it tells us that the water fell from the firmament. The water came up, up out of the ground. And yes, we see that the entire world was covered. You know, they still fight. You can find fossils on the top of Mount Everest, 29,000 feet high. How in the world do the, the scientists want to, I don't know, some bird flying at 29,000 feet drops that seashell up there? <clears throat> and so we know, and here he's telling us, you need to remember that God is all-powerful. And, and then he says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, and so since that flood, by the same word, by what was that word? By God's word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Can I tell you? And we're, we'll get into this more later. This world will be, it will be destroyed by fire. So maybe, maybe uh, 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 the old uh, Al Gore, maybe he is right in one way that there is a climate change coming and Maybe even the Pope is right in a little aspect of this, but it won't be us that destroys it. It'll be God. And can I tell you, I know that's at least a thousand and seven years from now. You read your Bible and you understand. But heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Can I tell you, the, 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 the church will stand until God is done. But the ungodly men will bow their knees and their tongues will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so because of that, we don't have to live angrily, not, not at the things that are going on. I, I think the false prophets that are out there and the false teachings ought to stir us up enough where we earnestly contend for the faith. And if it makes people mad, then I'm, you know, I, I could probably work at being a little kinder at how I do it. But we need to stand for the truth. And it's the truth that brings peace. It's the truth that can bring joy even in the, type, in the times of most heaviness in your life. And, and, it's that, and it's that peace that will help you to get through when, when you know you lose a loved one and you know that they knew Christ as their Savior, you can rejoice in knowing that they are in heaven today and you can rejoice in knowing that one day you will see them again. Those are the promises of God. And so here we see that, oh, how we need to remember and, 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 and remember history and make sure that we don't repeat some of these things and, and think like these characters and say, oh, God hasn't done anything and and, and here God is telling us, oh yeah, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But then it tells us here in the next few verses, 8, 9, and 10, that, that not only should we remember history, but we all also ought to remember mercy. And why? But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. And this is a command to stop doing what you're doing, Okay. You guys are not paying attention, and you need to stop being ignorant of this fact, and you need to understand and realize that, that why Jesus and why God is doing what he's doing right now, okay? So stop being ignorant of this fact. And what is the fact? Concerning his promise. What's his promise? His promise was that, that oh, uh, I, I skipped, all right? But, 
First of all, the promise, first of all, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. First of all, stop being ignorant and thinking that, that God is basing everything on temporal things. God is eternal. God doesn't have a watch. When, when God decides, then God will decide at that moment. And people are always, and, and see, this is where people get in trouble. They, they try to say, well, this is the very day that Christ is going to rapture the church. This is the very day that, that uh, Jesus is going to return. This is, the very, this is the, we know that this guy is the Antichrist, or we know this is going to happen, and all of these things. Look, nobody knows that except God the Father. And, and it's in God's mercy and in God's grace that, that he continues on as he does. And how in the world can you put a date on somebody that is eternal that says, don't put a date on me? So be careful of those who try to tell you there's a certain day that these things are going to happen. He's the only one that knows, and he's the only one that will decide. And, and really, I, I'm kind of selfish in this also, but I, I really... I, I, I pray that, that God does extend his mercy and, and gives time for many more people to come to trust Christ as their Savior. I, I mean, I, I want my kids to be able to grow up in, in a country that, that still preaches and teaches the gospel. I, I want little James to be able to grow up and, and, and be a great preacher if God wants him to do that and, and share the gospel with many and, and live a good life and, and enjoy some of the things that I've enjoyed here. I, I don't want to walk around being some negative Nelly, you know, and, and tell us we better be ducking for cover because judgment is today. Hey, maybe it is, okay, but maybe it isn't. And so we better, we can talk about judgment, but you also better be talking about mercy. And you better be telling them about Jesus. And not only is he judged, but he's also, first and foremost, he's Savior. Come to him, trust him, walk with him. And let us be busy doing the will of God and doing those things and understanding. Who knows when it will be? Maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's for another thousand years. Let us make sure that we have oil in our lamps and keeping our lamps lit and let us make sure that we continue to be what it is that God wants us to be today. But understand this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as men, as some men count slackness because of what they consider slow, they think that God is ineffective and inactive, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Can you imagine? I wonder if that, you, you think about this, and you think about God waiting, and there's this one person that somebody witnesses to, and that one person falls on their knees, humbles their heart, and trusts Christ as their Savior, and God says, that's it. That's the one I was waiting for. Now the time has come. Jesus, come and bring him home. I wonder if that last person will know that when they get to heaven, that God is going to tell them, you were the one that I was waiting on. I don't know, just some of those crazy, strange thoughts that go through my mind. But here we see and we understand why God waits and why God tarries is because he loves you and he loves me. And he loves all of those people that are out there that do not know Jesus as their Savior. And you know what? They kind of outnumber us. And we need to get busy. 
and we need to tell them about Jesus and encourage them. And, but no, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. And how will it come? As a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, you want to know more about that? I'm not going to preach that message, guys. I'm in Revelation on Sunday nights, and, and we're going to get to that. But here we know that that, that, that eternal state will be coming, and, and we do know that, first of all, he's going to come as a thief in the night. That's the rapture of the church. That could be today, so let us be ready. And let's make sure that, first of all, we know Christ is our Savior. Secondly, let's make sure that we're not living selfishly for our own desires, but let us be living and, and, and serving him fervently with all that we have and who we are. But know that judgment is coming, and for seven years we'll see that horrible judgment upon this earth called the tribulation. And then we see that Christ will come back at his second coming, and it will be there that he will fight with the unbelieving nations. It'll be there that the false prophet and the Antichrist are thrown into the lake of fire. It'll be there that the devil is subdued for a thousand years. It'll be there where Jesus will set up his reign out of Jerusalem and on Mount Zion. And it'll be there that he will reign for a thousand years with a perfect judgment and a perfect king. And those of us who know Christ will reign with him, it tells us. And at the end of that thousand years, Satan will be loosed for a season. There will be many who have lived under the very righteousness of God, under his throne and under his mercy, and they'll still turn their back on God. And it tells us then that they will be destroyed and cast into the lake of fire. The devil will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Because that's what they want. And the rest of us will see a new Jerusalem descending and a new heavens and a new earth. And we'll be a part of that as this world burns to ashes. That's the global warming. And God says, these guys are going to come in. You say, oh, what does God know? Kind of reminds you all the way back in Genesis 2 when the subtle serpent talked to Eve, doesn't it? And so here, questioning God's word, God says, don't question what I've promised. You live by it, and I will fulfill what I say I will do. And so we trust him. You have someone that comes in and starts causing you to question what God's word says and the truth of God's word, then mark them for what they are, avoid them, and do not let them destroy what God is doing. And, you know, God can stop it. You know what he chooses to do is use us to help stop that. And let us make sure that we're not the catalyst for trying to disrupt something that God is doing, but rather let us be a part of what God is doing in helping others find the peace in the valley that only God can give. And let us tell them the truth about our Savior and how good he is and how much he loves us and how much he's waiting for you to come to him. Have you done that? Boy, I pray that you have. If you haven't, there's no better place than today. Settle it with God. How do you do that? Well, it's, it's really it's simple. 
realize that you're in a mess on your own. You're a sinner just like the rest of us. You're not any better than anybody here. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. And you realize you need a Savior. And you finally have come to that realization that Jesus Christ, being God himself, went to that cross to take the wrath of God upon himself, not for his sin because he had no sin, but he took our sin upon himself. He died on that cross, made it sufficient. That sacrifice was sufficient, showed us that it was when he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's at the right hand of God, and everyone that calls on him to be their Savior, he saves them, and then he's an advocate to God the Father and tells God the Father that, hey, He's mine. She's mine. They're a part of that family. And you can live the rest of your life knowing that you're on your way to heaven. And so call on him to the best of your ability, realizing you're a sinner. Admit to him, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that you, you saved me when you died on that. You, you died for my sins on that cross. And I know that if I'll trust in you and call on you and ask you to be my Savior today, you will be my Savior And so I ask you to forgive me and be my Savior. You see, it's not the prayer that saves you, but it's the faith that you're revealing through what you're praying. And when you reveal that to God, and and he already knows that, but he's just wanting to hear it from you, and you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, at that very moment, he saves you. And you don't have to keep doing it over and over and over. God said he is true to his promises. When you do so, and you are genuine in your faith and placing your faith in him, don't live in fear. You have then been adopted into his family. He will not reject you. He will not turn his back on you. He has become your father, and he forever will be. Praise the Lord for that. Do we get chastened when we misbehave? Yes. And he brings us back where we need to be. That's what a good father does. He doesn't turn his back on you. He chastens you and brings you back where you need to be. And you stay in the family of God. Boy, what a joy it is to be a part of the family of God, isn't it? What a joy it is to see God doing a work through our lives. And we get to impact people all the way to Madagascar. How powerful is that? Let's just make sure that we stay right. Stay right with him. Be what it is that he wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, I pray for the hearts of each one who's represented today, whether it be live stream, whether it be those who are sitting here, even those that may watch this later. God, I pray that you do a work in the hearts of each one. I pray that everyone can walk out of here today with certainty, knowing that they're on their way to heaven. Lord, if they're uncertain, I pray that you would stir in their hearts today. Give them courage to settle it. Seek one of us out. Come during the song of invitation. Let's just make sure that we settle things today and answer any questions. For those of us who are believers today, help us, Father, not to live in fear. Let us not live in anger or bitterness. But, Father, to live in peace and be what we need to be as a witness to those around us to reach people for an eternal decision. God, we pray, whatever needs to be done, whatever needs to be laid aside, the Father, we would do so at this time. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.